What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Planeswalkers Anonymous, the Magic the Gathering podcast hooked on that sweet cardboard. And if you or anyone in your life shares our obsession with graveborn muses and banisher priests, we are here for you. You know, like I always say, we're not going to rehabilitate you, blah, 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 blah. But I'm Duncan. I'm playing my lands in front of my creatures just to upset my co-host, Donovan. So, Donovan, what's up? How's your week been? Oh, it's pretty great, and I'm happy to let you play your lands in front of your creatures. I once laid with all my cards rotated 90 degrees to mess with my opponent. <laughs> See, that one I wonder if you would get away with at some events. It fits in the rules as long as you've been clear the entire time, even if you have been clear about it. That might be misleading. Oh, I was playing for fun on the kitchen table, but... Sure, no, I, I understood that, but I was just thinking about it. I was like, hmm, I bet. No, I think I think you get in trouble for misrepresenting the board state. Yeah. If you're playing in a tournament. Yeah, I think... Technically, you would be within your rights under the rules, but I bet you would not win that judge call. <laughs> Probably not. But anyways, yeah. I got to sleep in Saturday. There was a competitive Pioneer tournament in town, but I don't have a competitive Pioneer deck, so I did not go to it. Oh, you've got mono black, right? I do, and that deck's not competitive. <laughs> you didn't like your chances? No, I was not going to go blow $40 on playing a subpar deck. Sure. <laughs> well, we usually talk about things in this sort of order of... Really just this kind of hierarchy that I created in my head that's not based on anything objective. It's just arbitrarily what I decided was a more major event. But since the MPL wasn't actually playing anything this week, I was just going to bring it up to mention that this coming week, the Emerald Division is going to be playing. So if you're interested in checking that out, that's going to be November 16th. And then everything else that was major this weekend was uh, Magic Fest Richmond, right? Yeah, Magic Fest Richmond was a big deal. They had a Mythic Championship going on, as well as the usual Grand Prix. And they had some other special items happening. Sure. Well, what took down that Grand Prix this week? Blue-green food was real good. Andre Skrowski was playing the Simic food deck against Paolo Vitor Damodorosa in the finals, playing also playing the blue-green food match. That's the mythic championship, but yeah. Believe it or not, Andre Skrowski won it without even quitting Magic first. <laughs> that was impressive. Usually when Andre Skrowski wins an event, it's because he quit Magic. Right. But this time, he didn't even have to quit. Right. Do you want to tell that story? It seems like you want to tell a story. Well, I think it's a known thing. Okay. Multiple times, Andre Skrowski has announced that he's getting out of Magic after this next Grand Prix or something and goes and yeah. plays the Grand Prix and gets first. <laughs> and so he continues to play. It would seem that his plan is once he no longer is qualified for a Mythic Championship, he'll be done. I see. He's just too legit to quit. Apparently. <laughs> Alright, well, congratulations to Andre. And to Paolo. Yeah, Second place absolutely. in the Mythic Championship is pretty good. Yeah, and I like Paolo. Yeah. He's been around the Magic scene long enough that I'm familiar with him. <laughs> He's done some coverage on a few events, and I've really enjoyed his standpoint being in the booth because he's competent and also good at relating the information yeah i think it's kind of funny because the last time before we started doing the podcast when i was really paying attention to competitive magic watching coverage and keeping up with the events and stuff paulo vitor damadoroso was the kind of young up-and-comer you know <laughs> now he's kind of the establishment guy that got taken down by by Strowski, you know? Yeah. That's kind of fun. But yeah, that was Mythic Championship 6, and then there's also the Grand Prix, where the Sultai Sacrifice deck was piloted by Abe Corrigan to a victory, right? Yeah, and I think it's good to hear that some of the MPL and pro players and such like that are listening to our podcast. Yeah. Because the Sultai Sacrifice deck is the one that we touted for people to play during the Play Any Card arena. They made some changes, obviously, but they took our list and they, they ran with it, and 
some people played it pretty well in the Mythic Championship, and then it made it all the way to the top of the Grand Prix. Yeah, and I think we've speculated before that it seems like some pros are listening to us, you know? And also, in addition to that, the Sultai Sacrifice decklist, Channel Fireball actually posted it as a decklist on their website, not just a photo of the deck in a tweet. So, they've got to be paying attention, right? Yeah, there's no other explanation for that at all. Right. Although, for some reason, <laughs> the decklist page is labeled Grand Prix Cleveland, so it took me to double check a couple times to make sure I was looking at the right decklist for this event. Yeah, I think that's whoever put the page up probably pulled it from Grand Prix Cleveland. <laughs> And, uh, missed one. Yeah, that was funny. And it was cool to see, uh, Reed Duke got second in that, and he's a player I like, so that's cool, too. Yeah, for sure. What was he playing? I believe he was just playing Sultai food, not the Sacrifice version. Okay. So, obviously, he's not a cool listener of Planeswalkers Anonymous. Or he is, and he just didn't understand our deck-building genius as much as Zabe did. <laughs> Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Aside from the actual events, Magic Fest Richmond got a lot of attention this weekend for a couple of things, right? If you don't mind clipping right along into the news. Yeah. The mystery boosters were revealed at this Magic Fest, and uh, everything I'm seeing about these has said finally revealed, and everyone was so excited. I, I hadn't ever heard of these before. Is this something people were anticipating for some reason? Yeah, Wizards announced that they're going to be doing these mystery boosters at Magic Fest Richmond a few months ago. I think like right before we started doing the podcast, mm -hmm. they just said, and we'll let you see what they are then. And I haven't said anything about them since because they wanted them to be a mystery. Hmm. Okay. Well, I just kind of missed that until everyone was excited that we finally found out what was in a mystery booster pack. And I was like, what did, did we care? What is this? <laughs> uh, turns out we didn't. Yeah, so they've got these playtest cards in them, which are really cool, right? They're kind okay, of... I said we don't care. I do think those are really cool, and I think that it's a really cool product, but yeah. not something I would ever want to spend money on. I like that it exists. I don't want to own it. So I wouldn't buy boosters of this, right? But I I would be willing to pay a regular price for a draft to draft with these. And that's how it's designed, right? Yeah. Like, this is meant to be played somewhere in between conspiracy and an unset right? Yes, it's supposed to be a chaos draft, emphasis on chaos. Right, and as part of that, they've got these playtest cards, which appear to me, from what I can tell looking at these, I bet most of these are cards that they actually proposed that the rules people said, you can't do this card. Mostly, like, there are some that are more like jokes, right? Yeah. I think that's where these come from, because a lot of them, I think they're like, oh, we can't actually do this card, because rules. But they're not really funny, so they didn't make it into an unset either. Where's the example? What put me onto this track, it's Lantern of Undersight yeah. as an artifact for one. Draw cards from the bottom? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I remember hearing Mark Rosewater talk about this as a idea for a card, and the rules people said no, we're not going to do that because it just creates too much problems for events. Too much opportunity to cheat basically, or for someone to think you're cheating. I don't remember exactly. That's what I remembered Mark Rosewater talking about how that didn't work. Yeah. Oh, Cellar Door. He was talking about the artifact Cellar Door from Innistrad, right? And originally, yeah. it said this on it. Like, not just it, it maybe had more text than this, right? But they thought it was a cool thematic thing, flavor-wise, for Cellar Door to make you draw from the bottom of your deck. And the rules people were like, no, we don't want people doing that at tournaments. But that's what put me onto this thought process, and I thought some of these other cards seem like that would yeah. make sense. And some of them are probably things that somebody proposed, and they're just like, why? <laughs> yeah. Like, 
one with death, the black mana instant, you lose the game. Yeah, see, I think that's actually an interesting card. Because uh, it's funny, particularly funny to me, because in a format like Draft, probably, yeah, your reaction makes them like, what? What would you do with that? And this... And well, I mean, you can stick it with a hive mind and try and kill someone. Yeah, also... That could be a hive mind in this mystery booster. Yeah, I suppose there could be. But I think that that would actually be an interesting card for constructive stuff. Like, there are a couple of cards that say, like, I know there's one that says, if you would lose the game, you win the game instead. Yeah. I don't remember what card has that text on it. But that exists. I want to say that's an uncard, though. It might be. It might be. But I, I thought that the playtest cards were pretty cool, but it seems like the primary reaction to these mystery boosters was like, oh. Yeah. Because people were expecting them to be exciting, and then other than the playtest cards, the cards in them are kind of junk. Yeah, there's apparently some cool stuff in them. You could get a random rare from as far back as, like, Urza Saga or whatever. Yeah. But it's just, the likelihood of that is so low, most of the stuff you're getting is just draft chaff. Yeah, and there's enough different cards that supposedly, when playing a draft, you should have almost entirely unique cards. Yeah. That's interesting, but... They put in the Golgari Death Swarm just to upset magic players everywhere. All right. It's important that we mention that one. I, I don't know, dude. It's just a weird-looking elk. <laughs> but yeah, I think they said that this mystery booster draft is something that's going to be available at WPN stores in the future. Maybe I should have read this article. Maybe I should just recheck so I can say that with confidence instead of asking you. Uh, but what I was going to say about it was, if that's true, and we can, you know, get the people to show up for it, I'd be down to give this a shot at Boardwalk. Uh, looks like right now it's slated to be at Magic Fest. Mm -hmm. That's all I see about it. Yeah, I think... Oh, the store edition will not have playtest cards. It will have some premium foil cards instead. Oh, well, never mind. I probably actually don't care. In-store edition goes on sale March 13th, 2019. Yeah, okay, well, you know... That's obviously inaccurate. Hopefully March 13th, 2020? Yeah, well, that'd be just in time for my birthday, but... Hey! I hate being down on things when we're talking about magic stuff on our magic podcast, you know, because I, I like to hype the stuff and be excited, And but honestly, I... I probably don't care. If it doesn't have the playtest cards, I, I don't care, you know? Yeah, like, that's the thing that's exciting about those. Yeah, so... That seems like a poor decision, really. Especially because since the playtest cards aren't tournament legal, I don't see why it would hurt them to just make more of them out there. Who cares how rare they are or whatever, you know? But, oh well. That's that's too bad. Speaking of, though, being disappointed in Wizards and not happy about something, I guess that we may as well go ahead and get the really unfortunate news out of the way, right? Veil of Summer. No, <laughs> no I'm kidding. Autumn Burchette's lands, right? Yeah. This was... Really disappointing, and for anyone... Who... I was not at all surprised. Um, I was. I don't think if you write something on your cards it's intended to be inflammatory and upset people that they're going to let you get away with it. I don't... I See, think that's... that the, the group of people who's trying to upset may be a group of people that deserve to be upset, but if you write something on your lands intending to upset people, I think it's very likely they'll tell you to get rid of it. Uh, I don't think I would characterize this as that. I think speaking up for a group even if you are aware that that will upset people who want to oppress that group i don't think that i would characterize that as writing something to upset a group of people because like they didn't write anything attacking anyone for anyone who doesn't know therese nielsen apparently and if i was you know a journalist i would have looked more into this but apparently therese nielsen's twitter has 
had what was referred to as turf rhetoric on it recently, and that's been upsetting to some people. Is in this parlance, turf is a acronym for trans exclusionary radical feminist, which is a group of people who don't believe trans women are women and therefore don't want them to be part of the conversation about women's rights. So Autumn had lands in their deck that were Therese Nielsen artwork lands that are considered very expensive and fancy looking that had Sharpie all over them that said no turfs on gruel turf and trans rights are human rights and Autumn was asked to remove them from their deck by, uh, according to Autumn, a Wizards representative, not a tournament official, but I don't know exactly who made that decision. What I was going to get to, though, is do you think this would have been treated differently if they had just had the trans rights message and not the no turfs message? Yes, and I think it would have been treated differently if it wasn't on a Therese Nielsen land. If you just wrote those things on your land, I think that you would be less likely to get in trouble for it. But you are intentionally attacking Therese Nielsen. Whether it's for something Therese Nielsen did or didn't do, you're attacking Therese Nielsen. And that's not something that they're okay with. Hmm. You don't have to like Therese Nielsen. You can be upset with Therese Nielsen for things, but they are attacking someone not an inclusive behavior hmm. I, don't, I don't know i just i don't know if i agree i i wouldn't say that defending a group of people against someone attacking them is attacking that person you're not but though they were though no therese nielsen is nowhere in the room right so you have brought this issue up and you have attacked therese nielsen without it being mentioned without from anybody else so that's not defending okay but this is saying i show solidarity with this group of people is the message Which, yeah so if you put it on a different land not intending to attack Therese Nielsen, then it's not attacking. But if you do it specifically targeting a person, that's a pointed attack. I don't know, man. I think putting it on the Therese Nielsen lands just communicates this is the issue I'm talking about. And not I'm not just generally talking about trans rights in general, which is also an issue one may support, but that I'm upset about this in particular. I don't think that necessarily characterizes it as an attack. Like, there wasn't any harm done to, to Therese Nielsen or any call to action against Therese Nielsen. Their Therese Nielsen's Twitter's attack on trans people doesn't hurt them. That doesn't make it okay for them to have done it. Mm. Well, I don't, I don't think we're going to agree on this one, but that's all right. I support the message that Autumn Burchett is saying, mm-hmm. but I think that it was not incorrect for the tournament officials to ask Autumn Burchett to remove the lands from their deck. Mm. So as incorrect, I don't know, because I, I think they're probably within their rights to do it. I think it would have been better had they not done it. So depending on how you define correct, I would give a different answer. I don't think that they broke their own rules or anything, you know, or were out of line rules-wise, but I also feel like censoring this message while allowing other protest messages as recently as uh, the, was it the... Talking about the Mythic Championship 5 with Li Shi Tian's yeah. comments about... Yeah. But Li Shi Tian commented about it in an interview. He didn't put it on his cards that he was playing the tournament with. No, but he wore his mask during the tournament. That was his message. And that was a clear message to anyone who was 
watching. Yeah, and I could be wrong about this, but I just think that Li Shi Tian's thing is a solidarity and support move, whereas Autumn Burchett was targeting a person. Mm. I don't feel like Li Shi Tian's actions could be construed to be targeting the Chinese government, but I feel like I could be proven wrong in that regard. That's where I think you could argue that Li Shi Tian was attacking the Chinese government, and so he should also have been censored. Mm. Well, I wouldn't make that argument. I would just... I don't feel like... Autumn Burchett was attacking Therese Nielsen. I think Autumn Burchett's Twitter account proves me correct in that they said, I was instructed by tournament officials to remove these defaced Therese Nielsen lands from my deck. Didn't say I was instructed by tournament officials to remove these defaced lands from my deck. Oh no, I think they obviously were targeting Therese Nielsen. I just don't, I wouldn't characterize it as an attack. You're sending a message about a particular person to a community. And if they just did the trans rights or human rights one, I think they could have got away with it. But the no turf on Google turf aggressive. All right. I think that, you know what? I will, I will go so far as to say, I think that Autumn would have been better served in their goal if they had just used the trans rights or human rights message and the uh, no turfs on gruel turf is a fun play on words that they wanted to use and I see why they did that but probably would have been better off just doing the trans rights or human rights which is a message I support. Yeah, I, I mean, I walked around all day with my I'll go with you button on, but cool. I don't disagree with the movement. Nick Prince on Twitter commented, <laughs> this is something I thought was funny on the subject. He's a writer for TCG Player. Okay. So, anyway, they commented on Twitter about this, said, quote by someone at Watsy, God, 69% Oko, can this weekend get any worse? Quote from some tournament official. Hold my beer. I thought <laughs> yeah. that was pretty funny. Because regardless of where you fall on the spectrum of Donovan or, or my opinion on whether this was reasonable or not, the community was definitely not happy about this decision. True enough. True enough. Because Watsi and Magic have, have been pretty inclusionary towards LGBT stuff. Isn't Alicia who smiles at death a trans woman? Yeah, and... Ashiok's gender non-binary. Yeah. So, you know, Watsi's been pretty good on this stuff, and this decision wasn't well-received. Whether it was the correct decision or not, people were pretty unhappy about it. Yeah, and I don't think that Watsi made this decision. I think somebody at the tournament made the decision. Yeah, see, that's what I would think also. That Autumn specifically said on Twitter, this was not a tournament official's decision. This was from... No, it said it was not a judge. It was a tournament official. It was not a judge that said it. Oh, okay. So it was not somebody who was in charge of running the tournament for fairness sakes. It was just somebody who was helping put on the tournament. Okay. Well, what can you do, right? Yeah, true enough. I mean, I guess... I wish we lived in a world where this didn't have to come up, where everybody got along, but people suck. Yeah, I mean, I guess what you can do to answer my own question, is get on your podcast and talk about how you wish that Wizards wouldn't make a decision like this, and hopefully if enough people on enough podcasts feel the same way, then Wizards will take notice, right? We can hope. Anyway, I guess more positive stuff going on in the community. Magic actually did get into the Toy Hall of Fame. Hey, we did it, boys. Suck yeah. My Little Pony. <laughs> right? And Care Bears. <laughs> like, those are the two that I, I felt like probably would overshadow Magic, but I also thought the top would. The top did didn't make it. R.I.P. the top. Right? That's astonishing to me that I would have assumed the top wasn't in yet because it had been just overlooked and hadn't been ah. suggested, yeah. but it was definitely on the ballot this year and didn't get in. <laughs> Magic the Gathering, Matchbox Cars, and Coloring Books did. And and I hadn't even known that Matchbox Cars and Coloring Books were on the ballot. And uh, I definitely, definitely see Coloring Books and not surprised on the Matchbox Cars. Well, but... we mentioned Matchbox Cars in the thing. 
Did we? I mean, it's possible we did. I, I didn't remember say we it. Did, but I don't listen to us religiously. <laughs> well, I, I didn't remember that one. I definitely remembered the Care Bears and My Little Pony because I think our regular listeners know how much I care about My Little Pony. They better at this point. <laughs> but coloring books, I don't think we even mentioned. I, di- I didn't realize that was on the ballot. I think that one's definitely a no-brainer, too. Yeah. <laughs> so coloring books and the top should have got in, right? But uh, wish it could have been Magic the Gathering coloring books on the top. That would have been my pick, right? Perfect trio. Yeah. Do you want to talk about Mana Strike? Yeah, I- Clash Royale is a great game, and I am liking the Magic reskin. Oh, is that is that how this works? I don't know. I read the article that you linked and I watched the spoiler video yeah. and it looks like Clash Royale. It looks like you put together a deck of cards mm-hmm. and when you play one, it goes to the bottom of your deck and you get the next one. Yeah. The cards you play put guys on the battlefield and you're trying to get across and blow up the other team's base. Yeah, that seems accurate. It's a game from Netmarble in partnership with Wizards of the Coast and they have a pretty good track record. They're going to reveal and showcase the game's gameplay at G-Star 2019 in Busan next week between the 14th and the 17th. All right. So yeah, we'll be finding out more this week about how this actually works and uh might be cool. Yeah, it looks like a cool game. I don't know if I want to start playing that kind of game from ground zero yeah. when I've got an account in a game that seems very similar that's leveled up a bit. Yeah, pretty big on that Clash Royale, are you? No, but I've been playing it for three years, so All right. <laughs> nothing else happened in the world. All right, fine. Well, let's uh, just get on with it then. <laughs> <laughs> We'll move on to talking about Throne of Eldraine again. Well, we probably should mention the banning, even if it's not newsworthy. Oh, oh, you you did think the Pioneer banning announcement was worth talking about. Okay. You already mentioned it. Okay, okay. it's Veil of Summer. My Thoptercopter got through again. Yeah, I've been told by people that every aggro deck that's any good is playing Smuggler's Copter. Yeah. So I was surprised to see it survive, but I haven't actually paid close enough attention to the meta to know if that's reasonable but Mm -hmm. wizards decided that green is still too good in pioneer yeah and so they just wanted to hit the card that people play in all the green decks and that's veil of summer sure there's several different green decks people play but this is in most of them i wonder if it's like the smuggler's copter is in all of the aggro decks but maybe the aggro decks just aren't good enough compared to the combos and the ramp and stuff that people are doing right now so there's like no we're not we don't care. All the aggro decks can have their overpowered cards because they're still not getting there. That could be it. But I don't have any other thoughts on Veil of Summer. I mean, I can see it's... Veil of Summer is a card that's warped formats and... Well, okay, I don't know if it's warped formats, but it's dramatically shaken up formats and it's just ridiculously powerful. Yeah, it's and overpowered. It's kind of got a niche... Role? Yeah, role, but it's extremely powerful in that role. And it's a role that you need filled if you're playing green. So, yeah, it's just so good. It's four of in sideboards and legacy sometimes. And that format has all these different cards to pull from. So it's just kind of surprising. And I'm not surprised to see it go in Pioneer. I didn't expect it at all. Yeah. But they banned it and I'm just kind of like, oh, yeah, I guess so. That seems fair. Card is busted. Yeah, I didn't really see it coming. That's just because, like I said, it's a fairly niche card. Veil of Summer wouldn't be a problem if green decks weren't. A problem generally yeah it's like veil of summer specifically isn't the problem but taking this out of the format doesn't neuter the ramp deck what it does is it makes it easier for other decks to compete with it yeah it makes the control decks better yeah so yeah that made sense to me like i didn't see it coming but when i saw what it was like oh yeah i can see that yeah that makes sense yep i think that's it for the news if you want to 
let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back and talk about what all happened in Throne of Eldraine over the last several months. Sound all right? Yeah. Cool. Good. Next. Next. <sighs> Next. Why do we do this to ourselves? Next. Spend day after day Next. in mind-numbing jobs we hate for Next. almost nothing. Next. Call me Gemstone Executives wants you to realize your unlimited earning potential. Colony gems are beautiful accessories and useful mana-manipulating artifacts. When you become an independent distributor for Colony Gemstone Executives, you'll make tens of dollars a month selling Colony gems right out of your own home. For a simple, one-time yearly investment, you can unlock the self-actualization power of Colony Gemstone Executives. And if you're not averse to harassing your friends and family, you can earn even more by recruiting additional distributors. You earn a percentage of the sales from each distributor you recruit. When you recruit just five downstream distributors, you're automatically upgraded to our monthly subscription executive tier. Why do this? Next. When you could be doing this. Call now to get your risk-free, yep, very expensive, information packet from Colney Gemstone Executives. I didn't realize that a uh, colony was an abundant resource of gemstones, you know? Well, that's why it makes them so valuable to sell, right? Is that they're a rarity? Yeah, yeah, that might be it. Uh, I hear, though, that uh, if you can get multiple levels, you know, like, like a multi-level marketing sort of thing going on, then that's where you, you make the real money, once you get, like, your squad on the job for you. It's not multi-level marketing, it's a reverse funnel. Oh, okay, so like, upside down pyramid? Well, not upside down, hopefully. Oh, so it is so just a pyramid. would be upside down, yeah. Right, right, just a pyramid. Okay, well, I don't think I've ever heard of any such schemes going poorly, so. Yeah, no, I think they're great for everyone involved. Yeah, I'm pretty sure in just like, what would you say, 11, maybe, layers, you have like the entire world is part of the organization, so you have most of the population of Earth working f under you, right? Yes. In my extensive experience, enslaving the masses. <laughs> That's a dark place to go with that. You talked about everybody in the world working for me, and I'm not going to pay them all, so... No, no, you don't pay any of them. They, you just recruit them, right? So you have five that you've recruited, mm -hmm. and they have five that they've re each recruited. Then yeah. in, like, just... Isn't it, like, 11... Or it might be 13, maybe? A very small number of these layers reaches the entire Earth, right? 5 to the 11th power. 48 million. Okay, we'll do it to the 13th. The billion. Okay, so not quite. I guess it'd be like 14, right? That. Yep. Like 14. 14 gets you there. The 14 tiered funnel. <laughs> that is assuming that you were the first, which you are obviously not, because somebody's advertising this, right? So, well, obviously they're doing it for your benefit. They wouldn't be doing it for... Right, I'm just saying it only takes that many layers if you're starting at one, right? So if True. you are necessarily at least the second layer, and the first layer, if they're advertising over our podcast, is going to get more than five, right? So That's true. It does take quite a big investment to have us advertise for you. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, honestly, if somebody wanted to advertise with us, all they would have to do is 
get a job at Wizards of the Coast, get their cards through the development process, get them printed, and make them interesting to me personally. Oh, that's kind of like the scheme for getting you to play in the Mythic Championship. <laughs> yeah, so so that's that's basically what I'm saying to our audience. If if they want to get anything out of this podcast, they need to go work for Wizards. Or own Wizards, depending. Yeah. Anyway, this week we were going to talk about the Wildred quest, right? Yes. And that's the novel accompanying Throne of Eldraine about Will and Rowan something. Kenrith. Yeah. And I, I tried to get this book for you so that we could talk about this, but it, it didn't work. You so. succeeded. No, it happened. I read it. Oh, okay. Well, I knew you I knew you read it. I asked you if you read it today, but um, I, I thought that you had ended up having to buy it yourself. No, last week I told you I had it from you. Oh, okay, sweet. Cool. Sorry, I'm just... Sorry you don't listen to me. No, I'm, I just don't have a working brain. Ooh, I've so... got one of those in my Pioneer deck. Brain in a jar. Oh, nice. It works pretty good. Nice. But So I, I did get this book for both of us, and you read it, and I started to read it, but between, you know, like my heat going out at my home and having children and doing you had podcasts and stuff... <laughs> no, I have continued to have the ones I previously had. Oh, okay. <laughs> startled that you had a child <laughs> without me hearing about it i didn't finish the book i started it to be fair or well not fair you but you hadn't finished the children and i was like uh i guess technically not yet they're they aren't completed adults yet <laughs> yeah they're still children right uh but to to be honest i didn't get all that far into this book i did start to read it though i'm yeah apparently i would never make it as a literature critic <laughs> why is that because I've had multiple people tell me how bad the writing was, and I didn't notice. Oh, really? So, I wondered if I was being a little harsh on it. I definitely was, in these notes here, I was exaggerating the harshness just to be silly. But, a single very, I think, might be fair. But I did wonder if maybe I was being overly harsh on it. You've heard this from other, sp other people? Well, multiple people... One of them was you. Okay. But I haven't heard anything talking about how good the writing was like I did with the War of the Spark book. Yeah. I saw, you know, on the site selling the book. <laughs> so, you know, that may be worth taking into account. I saw plenty of reviews saying that the writing on this was really good. And I wasn't going to bring up the quality. Like, I put it in the notes here, but that was really just to you. But, because, you know, I, I don't want to... I think the writing was probably akin to, maybe even better, than a lot of writing for games. Yeah. Like, Magic has a lot of story going on, but the gameplay is not based in the story, per se. Yeah. And honestly, the writing in this was probably as good as, like, Brandon Sanderson. Oh, rude. <laughs> to who? Brandon Sanderson. I mean, here, here's the thing. I enjoy a bunch of his books. I have several of them because he's very creative and comes up with interesting ideas. Oh, it wasn't specifically referencing the fact that he wrote a magic story? No, I didn't know he wrote a magic story. Yeah. Is, is Children it, of the Nameless. Is it any good? I just told you I'm not a literary critic and I can't. Yeah, but... I like the story. Oh, man, maybe I should use another... I don't, I don't have another good one off the top of my head. Like, I like Brandon Sanderson. I don't dislike him. I like his stuff. It's just his strength isn't in his writing <laughs> it's in his like creativity yeah that's a good way to put it because he has cool he's ideas he's a creative writer emphasis on creative yeah he has cool ideas he comes up with he builds worlds that i think are interesting and characters even that i think are interesting characters and stuff you know but 
I don't think that his writing is particularly good. Uh, and I don't know whether this story ended up being good overall, and whether the characters were particularly good or not. I thought the writing was at a similar level, though. Yeah, probably true. There's, Which is acceptable. There's a lot of stuff with characters being archetypal people, and lines being the lines you would expect people to say in that scenario. Right, and and, and there's a lot of... So, this is actually the, the main thing that made me... Put it down? Yeah. Or not pick it back up. Criticize the writing. This is the main criticism of the writing that I have, especially considering I didn't read the whole thing. So you gotta, gotta take everything I say with that, right? Like, yeah. it, it could get a lot better, you know? And I wouldn't know, because I, I even said I didn't even get that far. I read, like, the first three chapters. But the thing is, in a lot of beginning writing classes, especially on creative writing and stuff, they will tell you that dialogue is important, right? And if you can communicate something by having a character say it, rather than just the narrator saying this, then that's better, right? So if you can communicate that, like, a character is reckless by having other characters reference the fact that they're reckless, that's better than you saying, this character is reckless, right? And that's yeah. true, but what that leads to is a lot of writers who are either beginners or just not very good having really strange stilted dialogue that doesn't sound like a thing someone would really say because they're like, this person did a reckless thing. It is so like them to do reckless things because they're trying to do that, but they don't actually know how to write dialogue that sounds like things people say. And there was yeah. a lot of that. That's one of the things that was difficult for me to read. I noticed it, but I write poorly. So, <laughs> well, I'm not a professional writer either. All right. But this is not supposed to be your critique of the book. We're supposed to right. be delving into the story, right? Right, right. So what I got out of it is that there's these five kingdoms that are all ruled by this one king who used to be a peasant, but he was uplifted to knighthood in each kingdom. And then that automatically makes him king and his children are magic. Well, you got it then. Done. <laughs> is that the plot of throne of eldraine no no that's a that's some back yeah I, oh also you know i got some of the stuff on oko enslaving garrick through mind control powers yes which is pretty dark <laughs> right at the beginning of the book is like oh oko just completely dominated the will of another planeswalker and made him a shell of a person rescue him from himself no definitely the first one that second characterization might be might, I didn't get so far as to know for sure, but might be a positive consequence of him doing a very terrible thing to another thinking being, but definitely did that first one. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm sorry, go on. So, in this plane, it's common for people once they're 18 to start going on quests and trying to better the realm through questing, or rich, affluent people at least. The king and the queen were given the quest from... The Questing Beast, which is a damp old tart lying in a pond distributing quests. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> uh, it's a monster that gives you quests and says that if you do these things, something will happen. It told them that if they were to achieve knighthood in every kingdom, mm -hmm. they would ascend to being the high king and queen of the realm, respectively. Okay. And what is his name? King Kenrith. Aslan. <laughs> it's something like Aslan. Arlen. No, that's a werewolf. Alginus. Ah, Aslan. Yeah. Alginus Kinrith completed the quest to become a knight in all the kingdoms and became king. And Linden only did it in four and then stopped trying. And there's some... How, how are we on spoilers? I say go ahead. I think most magic players don't read the books. And any that do, 
I'll say here and now, we're going to go ahead and spoil. So if you don't want them, go read the book. It's four bucks. Then come back and listen to us. All right. Whenever the, the twins, Will and Rowan Kenrith, were born, mm-hmm. it apparently wasn't to Lyndon. She is their stepmom of sorts. Alginus disappeared into the woods for a span of time during the questing time. Mm-hmm. And Lyndon went in looking for him and came out with him and two children. Mm. And that's when she stopped trying to achieve the knighthood, the last one. Okay. And then Alginus went on and completed it and got his fifth one and became the high king of the land. And so that stuff is relevant to the story later. Okay. Because Kinrith was bewitched by some fairy or something in the woods, and he had babies with that person. Well, it wasn't a fairy. It was a witch. But yeah. Okay. And that's not necessarily why it's relevant later, but... Okay. And so the twins want to go out with their dad when he's going on a survey of the realm to Mm -hmm. remind everybody that he's the king. Because they want to see the world. Yeah, they don't like being closed up in Castle Ardenvale. They want to go out and see stuff, but it's crazy dangerous out in the wild. Right. They miss their opportunity to go, and their mom tells them, well, you missed your shot to go. You're stuck here until you're 18, and you're actually supposed to get to go. But they sneak out. And they sneak out, and they get attacked by goblins and almost die, but Oko and Garuk save them. Mm -hmm. Garuk at this time having been mind-controlled by Oko, as we mentioned before. Got it. Yeah, and so Oko and Garuk walk the twins to catch up with the king's party. Mm -hmm. And when they do that, Garuk says he doesn't want to be around people, and Oko's like, all right, cool, go hang out in the woods. And Oko (laughs) goes with them, and then once they get actually into the thick of things, twins go off to do their thing, and Oko goes off to do his thing, right? Okay. And then that evening, when the king is walking around making his tour, talking to people in his party, he is there with his second-in-command talking to people, and he walks off, and then the second-in-command walks up and says, hey, where's the king? And the kids are like, uh, he was just with you. Mm, But that was Oko. Turns out that was Oko, and whenever they catch up with him, the other people that were walking around with the king have been slain with a giant axe. Oh, dear. And that, uh... And Alginus is missing. And the the second-in-command who was with him is also missing, but as the second-in-command is now with the children, nobody thinks that, oh, he's missing, you know? Right. That is, uh, very mysterious. I wonder what could have happened to those people who were slain with an axe. Yeah, no no one knows. For those of you listening that follow the story not at all, Garuk <laughs> wields a giant axe. <laughs> Garuk murdered a couple people, and sure. King Kenrith is gone. Right. And then it fast forwards, and it's a few months later, and people have gone out questing looking for the king, and nobody's found him. Mm-hmm. But apparently everyone knows he's alive, because there's a throne in the castle that whenever the high king dies is supposed to disintegrate because magic because magic right and since that throne is still there he must still be alive somewhere so people know he's alive but people have gone out questing for him and they can't find him sure and the twins turn 18 and they decide that they're gonna go their first quest is gonna be rescue papa yeah they're gonna go find their dad and the queen catches them leaving and she's like can't believe you would leave without saying goodbye to me i love you y'all are amazing y'all will find your dad oh i want this old knight dude to go with you though it was the king's second command guy yeah he's beating himself up about the king disappearing when he was supposed to be with them and it'll help him out to do it and then I'll feel more safe about y'all being out there in the wild so can you take him with you and so their two best friends are gonna go with them because they haven't really done any major quests they've done some minor questing because they're 18 um what I should look up the king's friend this one's Arlen Cord, right no Arlen Cord is a werewolf from I know Cato Sir Cato but anyways they pick up Sir Cato in Ardenvale and they go on to Castle of Antris seeking information from the Magic Mirror, and they pick up Sir Elowen. Okay. And then they go on to Castle Garenbrake. Yeah, they, uh, they have got to collect one c- 
party member from each castle, right? That's what I thought was going to happen, but that's not what happened. So, but... well, well, congratulations, Kate Elliott, for breaking my expectation there. <laughs> but they decide that they're going to go to the magic mirror because it supposedly has the sum of all human knowledge. Sure. But it's the internet. It'll only tell you stuff if you tell it a secret. Okay. And Will says that he knows something the mirror doesn't know. And so he thinks if he can give the secret to the mirror and tell them where dad is. All right. So they're, they're going to go to Vantress and see if they can get any help from the mirror. Sure. Which has a name. Indralon. So they go to Vantress and they, on their way there, they run into Sir Elwyn from Vantress. Uh-huh. And all the different castles have a different virtue that they support. More highly than any others. Okay. And to be a knight there, you have to show that you embody the virtue. Sure. Vantress's virtue is intelligence. Okay. Um, Arden Vale's is loyalty. So Elowen is a lore mage that claims to be the most knowledgeable lore mage in all of Eldraine. Okay. Or the five kingdoms, because I guess the people within Eldraine don't necessarily call it Eldraine. Hmm. Okay. But they run into Elowen, mm-hmm. and she says that she can help them get to Indralon and talk to the mirror, but they'll have to, uh, whether or not they can get any information from is up to them. Okay. They go to Vantress, talk to the mirror, and Will shows the mirror other planes. Mm. Oh, his, his little magic mirror trick he did at the beginning of the story that I actually did read about. Yeah. And understood. Story, he like made a magic a little magic mirror thingy of his own where he could see into other planes, but he didn't really know what was going on. Yeah. But he showed that to the mirror, and the mirror thought that was acceptable and showed them an image of the stag that is, their father was transformed into. Sure. And says that if you find the stag, you'll find your father, and then kicks them out. The mirror kicks them out. Yep. It's in a pit that's filled with water, and by letting people in, it drains the pit for you to come in, and it started flooding the pig. Ah, and had okay. to leave drowning. And they talked to Elwyn, and Elwyn's well, tell me everything about what it actually showed you, and they find out that it was showing them a specific glade with an obelisk in the background that's very specific, and the way the sun was setting in the obelisk only happens a year. All right, so this is like a hinge situation, right? It's a a stone construction designed to interact with stars and the astral bodies to... Yeah. And so you can tell what time of year it is based on the sun's relationship to this obelisk. Yes. So, And this is some point in the future. Yes. Elwyn says that this is the midsummer day mm-hmm. and that this is a known location that Elwyn can, knows where it is, but the only way to get there quick enough is going to be to go to Castle Garenbrig and use the Great Hinge there because it's basically just a teleportation point. Okay. So they can go there and they can teleport wherever they want. So they go to Garenbrig and I'm like, oh, they're going to go to Garenbrig now and they're going to collect the person from Garenbrig, right? Right. And they're approaching Garenbrig, and apparently Castle Lockthwain is a flying castle that is parked over Garenbrig when they get there. And I was like, oh, they'll get somebody from Lockthwain as well. Of course. Lockthwain is a flying castle, though, so you can't just breeze by that. Well, you know, Vantress is a floating castle. That's still less questionable than flying (laughs) castle. Lockthwain is a magical flying castle. Okay, because magic, right, 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 all right. The Flying Castle and Teleporty Castle. Right. Yeah, they get to Garenbrig and they talk to Yorvo, the king of Garenbrig, and they find out that Ayara, the queen of Lockthwain, uh-huh. disappears on Midsummer's Night for the hunt. Ah, to go hunt a stag. Well, there's always the Midsummer hunt that the elves always do, and uh-huh. Ayara disappears on that night, even though she claims to not be 
beholden to the wild elves anymore. Sure. And so they go to Garenbrig, they find that information out, they talk to Yorvo, and he says, yeah, I can set the portal up for you to go through. We'll set you up in the morning, and that's Midsummer Day, so put you there on the day you're looking for, right? Okay. Convenient timing. Yeah. As of now, I'm sure something will interfere. <laughs> and so they get dropped off at the obelisk in the morning, mm-hmm. and a lich knight appears, and starts fighting them and they're fleeing from the lich knight and they flee across a magic bridge that it can't cross okay now they're not at the obelisk where the stag while is fleeing be. will sees the stag buried beneath like some enchanted roses it looks like the stag has been enchanted to be asleep in roses okay and they get to the bridge and while trying to fight off the lich king the lich king kills titus oh no titus andromedus he's titus deadest now wait i thought titus was their friend who is a little bit older and one of them had a crush on. yes when did he join up with them because i thought they had an old knight that their mom sent with them and i said that he joined their merry band of travelers including their two friends Titus and Sephora. Oh, right, right. Okay, yes, you did mention that. I'm sorry. I just ignored that bit because those characters didn't come up again until now, so I... Well, Titus is a swordsman, and I thought since he had fought in the tournaments in Imbreth, I thought he would count as their Imbreth person whenever they got to Garenbrig and Lockthwain was there. I was like, oh, they're going to get a person from Garenbrig and a person from Lockthwain. Titus will just be their Imbreth person. Right. It's fine. Sure. But then they didn't get anybody from Garenbrig or Lockthwain. <laughs> Titus died. Because the author couldn't think of any additional characters to create from those places. See, look, they set set that up, right? Set it up to do that, and then we're like, uh, what would be the point of these characters? Maybe they even did have the characters, and they had an editor who's like, um, why these I characters? Think, I think they did have the Garen Brig one, because I think they talked to him. And the author decided that the person was not gonna go with them. Yeah, that makes me think an editor situation. I'm thinking they had an editor who's like, these characters serve no purpose. And the was like, oh, but see, they have a person from each castle. And the editor's like, yeah. I see what you did. It's not necessary. That might be. That might be. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't really matter, um, because they've got makeup girl and swordsman, right? Healer girl? Well, her name's Sephora, right? Yeah, Isn't that a makeup true. store? <laughs> Is that actually her name? I, I don't actually know. I'm pretty sure that's what you said. I know that's what I said. But... <laughs> Cerise? Is that the one that they're talking to at the... At the beginning about Titus? Yeah. Yeah, yeah anyways... Cerise, I guess, is her name. Okay, so not Sephora. That's actually kind of disappointing to me. But... <laughs> all, right, all, right, all right, so they've got the healer and the swordsman, and the swordsman dies fighting the Lich King. Yeah, pretty much. He's a, a Lich Knight, not a Lich King. Oh, and sorry. Lich King's really from WoW, doing much right? fighting. They were, yeah. <laughs> they were trying to flee, and he just kind of died. Oh, dear. Man, I, I feel like even the small amount of reference I got to this character was that he was supposed to be kind of a BA. Yeah, but the Lich knight didn't fight him sword to sword he just magically killed him oh sad all right he just basically quenched out his soul just like you're dead and so the lich knight killed titus the other people are hiding on the magical bridge that the lich knight can't cross onto and it because magic. doing it's come hither magic saying that you should come to me sure and will is falling victim to it oh no and then the stag comes out of nowhere and just blindsides the lich knight and knocks him to the ground and so I think that's how they they beat it. Knocks like knocks it out of commission, and Kato comes in on his griffin, and they like kill it. So Kato has a griffin. Okay. By the way. <laughs> Useful to know. Um, but everyone else rides a horse. Kato rides a griffin. Kind of. Two... Well, not everybody else in the stories. Just everyone in their party. Two questions here. One is this entire party of adventurers 
who all have different specialities and weapons and magic at their disposal had their butts whooped by this lich knight, and a deer took it out. It's a magic deer. Uh-huh. What magic abilities does it have? Like, I re- it's a deer instead of a person. Yeah, that's my point. It's like, as far as being a magic deer goes, it's just the fact that it's a deer is the magic part. So, Apparently. so it's... Okay, and then the other question is, are Lich Knights less than 3-3, three, three, you think? Uh, I think it might be like a 5-3. All right. <laughs> Alright, so, uh, Magic Deer Daddy takes out the Lich Knight, and then the Griffin Man comes down and finishes it off. Uh, yeah, and then Sir Elwin's like, alright, now that it's defeated, I can burn it with my magics. And we're gonna burn it, and we're gonna burn Titus before he comes back as another Lich Knight. They burn those things, and the deer runs across another magic bridge that is supposed to- That's a not-safe bridge. (laughs) This forest just full of magic bridges? No, the place this obelisk is, is on the border between the regular wilds and the elvish realm within the wilds. Okay. And these bridges are, are bridges into the elvish realm. Okay. One of which is one that's safe for humans to cross. One. Oh, right. And the deer runs across the not safe bridge. Sure. And so... Because it had enough presence of mind to save its children, but then just forgot that it was not a deer and ran off. No. What was actually happening is Oko was magically calling the deer because it, he, uh, he realized that they were they were catching up to it and he was he made it come to him. All right. Well, sorry for spoiling that before you got to it. <laughs> <laughs> and so... The kids don't know that this deer is their dad. They're just like, I was told that I find that deer will find my dad. It must be leading me to my dad. Okay. So they want to cross the not safe bridge too. And people who are, have not seen the magic cards and know that that's their dad might not know that that's their dad. Okay. Right. Having seen the magic cards, I had that bit spoiled. Right. But I think the um, demographic of people who are not interested enough in magic to have seen the cards yet and interested in this book is vanishingly small. So I expect readers are expected to realize that that elk is is their dad. Yeah, probably. Okay. So the deer runs off down the scary bridge, and Owen's like, well, that's the scary bridge, but part of our quest, and if we don't catch the deer, we're not going to succeed. So Elwyn's like, I I know that bridge isn't safe, but we have to do it, so let's go. According to Elwyn, bridges like that one always have guardian monsters on them. Okay. They're not safe to people. All right. But they cross the bridge with no ill effects as far as guardian monsters go. Oh, well, that's anticlimactic. (laughs) Yeah, I was wondering about that. Uh, That sounds like another editorial decision, like, hey, we need to cut this down a little bit. But they run across the bridge, and it a magic bridge, so it doesn't just actually just cross a stream like it looks like when they do it. It's apparently very, very long. To a different place than they were before. It goes magically through to other place. Right. And the party gets split up in transit. Oh. Okay. And Rowan and Will come out close enough to together that they can find each other quite easily. <laughs> and they think they hear Elwyn somewhere, but they're on the trail of the stag, so they chase after it. And they're okay. like, well, Elwyn will catch up. Okay. And they're chasing the stag, and there's only, like, one pathway through the woods here. Mm-hmm. But they, <laughs> they're running through the woods, and they get to a fork in the path, and they have to guess which direction to go. I'm sorry. What? Because they have no tracking abilities. Okay. They don't have any tracking ability, so we have to guess which way the deer went. They pick one and they go that way. Okay. So they get a ways down the path and they get to a clearing that there doesn't appear to be any way to leave it other than going through this big meeting area. Okay. Right, they think the deer probably didn't go this way. Well, they think if you did, the people who are in there would notice, and there are people in there having a meeting. Okay. And the uh, the dark elf lady is there. 
and Ayara's there talking to them about how Oko is not um, actually an elf from this world. She doesn't know that there's the concept of other planes. She's just like, where did this guy come from? But yo, he ain't an elf. Ayara talking about how Oko is trying just to incite a war. And the elves are kind of like, yeah, but like, we want a war. Like, I don't know if we want a war right now. We do want one. Like, maybe. Okay. They're also kind of, it's the midsummer hunt day. So like, maybe they're like waiting around. They're probably waiting around. They're like, all right. Hunt. So we're done with this now. War seems all right. Yeah. So they're <laughs> Let's like. go hunting. Apparently the elves are like milling about and they're also discussing Oko. So the twins back off and go back down the trail to the other fork and they go down that fork and they find Oko. Oh, who has just waited patiently for them to go and eavesdrop on the elf council and then come find him. Well, apparently he's waiting on the elf council to finish so that he can go talk to them. Okay. And he talks to the the children and Oh, but dear daddy isn't immediately there, right? So that so no, they're, he is not. they're just like Okay, we'll we'll chat with this dude. Did you see a deer? Yeah, and they they sit down, they talk to him, and listening to the elves, they find out that Oko says that he turned the king into an elk. Oh, okay. So they've now figured out that their daddy is the elk. Yes. Okay. They're all caught up. Yeah, they're trying to talk to Oko about what you did with our dad, mm-hmm. and Elwyn catches up with them, and a fight ensues, and Oko does magic to trap them in the glade and says, I'm taking this elf to be the object of the midsummer hunt, and the elves will kill the elk, and it'll start a war whenever the yes. people find out that the elves killed Kenrith. Right. Because, you know, they'll just tell. Transforms right. Elwyn into a hawk, and leaves Garuk behind and says don't let them leave this glade Mm -hmm. but had previously in the story told Garuk not to hurt the children okay so as long as they didn't try to leave the glade he wouldn't hurt them okay and so they talk to him and they try and convince him to help them Will wants to help Garuk and Cerise who was with Elwyn whenever Elwyn caught them says that she thinks she might could remove the hedron from Garuk's shoulder that is causing this infection in him that's making him go crazy Sure, this is the curse that Liliana put on him way back in uh, Innistrad? Yeah, Innistrad. So, in the story like, of Innistrad, Liliana cursed him. Good, like, in, what? Oh, ten years ago? IRL? Yeah, in some later story, somebody puts a hedron in Garut to slow the curse down and to protect him a little bit. Okay. So Cerise okay, removes so the Okay, so removing the hedron is bad for Garut. Yes. <laughs> oh, I thought that the hedron was associated with the curse. So did everybody in the else story. In the story, right. Okay. Including Oko. I, Oko, I think, mused on it, but he didn't actually say what he actually thought. Right. But people seem to believe that the Hedron was the cause of the curse, but it was not. It was, it was actually, actually like a stopgap. Yeah. It was kind of holding the curse where it is. So they defeated Garuk by trying to heal him. Yeah. So they try to help him and they pull that out and Garuk freaks out and it like breaks the mind control on him. Okay. That's, that's a positive thing. He's like... All right, I'm going to go murder Oko now. That's also fairly positive. So Lots far. of pain and yada yada and hurt Cerise because he like lashed out whenever the Hedron got removed and the curse like went full force on him. Huh, that's too bad. All right. And they send Cerise back with Kato and they're like, look, the portal's going to close tonight. You need to get out now. Take her back to the castle. Mm-hmm. The two of us are going to go on. And so Elwyn has been turned into a hawk and flew off. Kato and Cerise go back to Ardenvale, theoretically. Okay. And so the twins go on after Garuk and Garuk's Wait, shouldn't struggling they just, with the curse. Shouldn't they just leave Garuk and Oko to fight it out and go try and find their dad? Well, Oko has their dad. Oh, I thought that he set the hunt on their dad. No, he's taking their dad to the hunt. Okay. To be hunted. 
Okay. And they, I believe they find out at this point that the hunt has started and the hunt is going after their dad. All right. And so Garouk's like, well, I can track the hunt easily enough and we'll find Oko there and I can murder. Sure. Hmm. Garouk can murder Oko and then they can get their daddy back. Yeah. So they start off after the hunt. Shoot. How did they fall in the river? Oh, uh, they fell in a river. That seems to be the relevant detail next. They're after the hunt anyways, and Garouk starts fighting a sea monster that attacks them. Whoa. (laughs) It's a river monster, but it's like a really big one. It's a big river, and there's a big river monster, and Garouk's fighting it, and he gets knocked out and is falling into the water and will goes after him okay and grabs garuk and pulls him to the surface and they're like getting washed down the river and garuk dies and they get washed into the cauldron of eternity okay hold on real quick so garuk the greatest of all hunters planeswalker planeswalker who runs around murdering other planeswalkers got killed by some river monster in eldraine no he just he was fighting a river monster got knocked out into the water and succumbed to his curse it was the curse that actually oh okay all right all right fine fine liliana finally got him yeah liliana got him and then this river goes into the cauldron of eternities the cauldron of eternity is hidden in the river okay and so group gets resurrected by the cauldron that's convenient is he resurrected curse free yes oh even more convenient. Yes. Okay. Because the curse killed him, so it's it's done with him. That's how quests work on this plane. You fate. Oh. It was fate. Okay. And anyway, so they catch up with the hunt, and the hunt is about to kill the deer in this clearing that is a specific clearing that's significant. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll get to that. Okay. One of the hunt leader people. I don't really understand why, but they in the clearing there's a well, and they pull the bucket from the well up, and there's a witch's skull with a magical sword in its face. Mm-hmm. The, the queen's magical sword, I assume. It's actually Kenrith's magical sword. Oh. But the Kenrith's magical sword that's at the castle is actually the queen's magical sword. But they're, they were identical, so people didn't know. Okay. The king and the queen told them that was the king's sword. So they just, like, okay, king's. Okay. But this is actually the king's magical sword. Mm-hmm. Which the questing beast gave each of them a sword to take on their quest to become the high king and queen and so there's a magical sword he got from the questing beast and they're in this clearing the twins say hey you can't kill the deer because it's kenrith and if you kill the kenrith it'll cause a war and the elves are like well the hunt has started we have to kill someone also we're, we were okay with war a few minutes ago when when we had this issue then ayara steps forward and puts an arrow through the heart of the deer oh and Garouk's like that's not Ayara, that's Oko, and chases after Oko, and it was Oko. All right. And Garouk chases Oko and captures him, I believe, and then... Because Garouk is the greatest son. Yeah, while pontificating on all of that stuff, Oko planes walks away. Okay. Garouk's like, oh, I can chase him, but these kids need help with the, the dying father thing. Right, and Garouk isn't insane with curse anymore, so... Yeah. While, while he is very much a hunter and a fan of hunting and would probably like to chase Oko because Oko's a bad guy, he no longer feels compelled to chase and kill every planeswalker, so he's like, and well, he I can let that get away. feels like he can still track him at this point. Okay. And so the elves start to disperse because they're like, all right, our hunt is done. We killed the thing. Sure. And the Queen Linden shows up on a flight of griffins okay. with her knights in tow and is like, yeah, yeah, leave the body. This is ours. Y'all should leave. And they talk the elves into leaving. I'm sorry, the Queen showed up. Why? Because uh, I'm, I'm getting to that. All right, all right, go on. And so the elves all disperse and the kids are like, it wasn't actually Ayara that shot him. Don't worry. And Ayara's like, yeah, it wasn't me. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and the elves all leave, and Linden's like, all right, now that we're in privacy, we can sort this out. And they find out that Elwyn got back to Ardenvale because she was a hawk, and Elwyn has a history. Elwyn's been cursed with hex-nulling magic that 
makes it hard for Elwyn to do hexes, but also makes it hard for hexes to really uh-huh. take root. Okay. Which was referenced earlier, but you didn't know exactly what it was that had happened with Elwyn. Okay. And this is where you find out what exactly it was that happened with Elwyn. And so she got back to Ardenvale, and she got better from being turned into a newt. <laughs> right. Hawk. I, I get yeah, your oh, joke, hawk, but, yes. but for the listeners. She got turned into a hawk, but she got better. Right. I got better. Yeah, she got better. And she told Lyndon what had happened, and they took off on their flight of griffins. They saw where the thing had happened, and Lyndon's like, ah, it's an important... I know where that is. Everyone's going to find out that we secretly gave my husband my sword because we decided he should be king because gender tropes. Yeah, exactly. And anyway, (laughs) they get back there, and the queen sends the reinforcements home, and then is talking to the kids, and she's like... The questing beast gave us these swords, and what the sword does is it gives the wielder of it the ability to be resurrected. And I used mine a long time ago because when I found your father, he was carrying your two corpses to this well to be dumped in. And he was enchanted by a witch that was using him to make babies and feed on baby blood. Gross. It got dark real quick, though. Yeah. And so I got to this clearing, and your dad was here with your two corpses, and our love broke the curse, and... He's like, oh no, what have I done? And we killed the witch. And then I used my sword's ability to resurrect someone to resurrect the two of you, which I isn't explained how that's okay, but I guess it's their <laughs> twins. <laughs> also, um, didn't she say it gives the wielder the ability to be resurrected? Yeah, but it's magic. Okay, that doesn't work by it's magic. That's like just nonsense. But yeah. okay, so there's, there's that. And then also, uh, other question is... <laughs> They have two of these swords, right, that have this great power, and they use one and keep that one. And the unused sword that still has power, they dump down the well. No, no, no. They killed the witch, and in killing the witch, they stabbed her in the eye, and the sword went down the well with the witch. Okay. And so the the sword was lost in the well. Mm -hmm. It's just in the bucket. No one tried. (laughs) All right. They abandoned this incredibly powerful artifact that can, you know, just resurrect... Some number of people. Yeah, one time. Okay. Well, theoretically, apparently you could do more than one person, so... Yeah. Anyway. And so she uses the sword to resurrect Kendra. Right. Because obviously. Yeah, and she says that the reason she stopped trying to be the High Queen was because the Questing Beast gave him those swords because the Questing Beast said that if they were to become the High whatever, they would die in the process. Mm-hmm. And so here's this sword that's going to let you get out of that loophole and you can survive to become the high king right and she's like well i have used my resurrection thing to save these two children so So i can't don't want to die i'll just yeah if i continue trying to be a high queen i will die right but they're totally cool with her boyfriend dying because they they're out of swords now right (laughs) yeah well you know I don't want to die. You go ahead and do the king thing. Sorry, it's gonna kill you. Okay. But he didn't die. Yeah, well, I mean, he did. Eventually. Eventually, yeah. Oh, anyway. I think the questing beast said that it's, like, highly likely you'll die. Uh Uh-huh. And so the queen just decided that was that was worth taking. Really, the questing beast was lying to them to set up this scenario to make sure that the king and these children were all alive when planes walking was necessary yes yeah got it this happens and there's all this emotional stuff Mm -hmm. and the children vanish Garuk sees that and he's like oh he knows what happened but he doesn't want to cause a panic both of them just had a spark ignite at the same time a, a single spark ignite yeah but there's not any reason you would know that at this point right like that's information from other stories um right 
Also, I, I don't really get, like, I, okay, I realize, you know, it's magic, but the concept of sparks and stuff, obviously they can be taken out of someone and put into something else, and so that's, like, transferable, but how how is it shared? Like, could you just, could everybody just share a spark and have the planeswalking ability? Uh, no, it, they, they share a spark because they were both resurrected by the sword and they have one soul. They have one soul. Yeah. How does that work? I don't know. Like, what is the definition of a soul here? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the sword can only, like, what, what, make one soul. And so that's, that's the loophole where it can only resurrect one person, but their mother was like, yeah, they can share. And so there. Oh, Lyndon was talking to the kids about telling them what happened and stuff. And Rowan gets upset that their parents have lied to them all this time about their origins. And okay. Seems a bit petty, but Will's trying to calm her down and their magic, boom, combines and boom, they planeswalk away. (laughs) And Lyndon and Algernon Swinburne or whatever. Yes, because turn of the century poets is the reference our audience really likes. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Turn of the century British poets. Yes, very good reference. Not a. <laughs> but Algernon and Lyndon <laughs> are worried about him, and they're like, "Well, that's really powerful magic. Did they teleport? What do you think?" And they think it was an intentional thing. And then the kids ran off. But I'm sure that they'll be back. They can do that. That's pretty powerful. I'm sure they'll be back. Okay. And Garuk's like, "Don't worry, I can look after them," and he goes after them. That's where the story ends. Okay. If that's the story, I, w- I don't really have any questions or anything else to add about it, really. One thing I did want to say, though, is I've been kind of making fun and teasing and joking throughout. I would like to point out to our audience that I, I don't think it's that bad. You know, like I'm not doing all of that because I think this writing is so terrible or this story is so bad. I'm doing that just because that's what I do. Like, that's the role I'm filling here. Donovan is telling the story and I'm joking and trying to provide some level of entertainment trying yeah yeah Um, that's that's the key word there and also the story is a lot better than my storytelling capabilities can do because i am not as familiar with the story as i should be to do this podcast about it but fortunately this is an episode of a podcast about other things and we are talking about the story here i mean i was meant to participate in this as well and i didn't even finish reading this I, i didn't even get halfway through the story so you're doing better than me man also a listener told us they wanted to know the story of Eldraine. Yeah. And so we looked into it and we did it. We don't claim to be magic storytellers. Sure. That was Eldraine's plot. And I assume we're going to hear more about Oko and and Will and Rowan and probably more about Garrick in, in future sets. So Yeah, I don't expect it to be the next story. Right. There didn't seem to be anything in this one that was like, oh, see you next time on <laughs> Tales from Magic. Theros Beyond Death. Yeah, there, and there was no sign that the kids went to Theros or anything in the book. They just but they could have disappeared and went somewhere and they could have gone to Theros. But all right. Well, uh, we are actually pretty significantly over time and I'm not sure where I'm going to cut things. I can cut like almost all of my commentary. I mean, you but... can do that every week and you don't. So, oh, yeah. Donovan, <laughs> this bit is getting a little mean. <laughs> Uh, anyway, that's the story of Eldraine. If there's any other, I don't know, details, questions, follow-up that anyone would like, uh, you know, write to us at planeswalkerspod at enginewithin.com, and we'll revisit it. We're happy to do that, and we'll probably do an episode like this on sets in the future until you tell us to stop. But we got an email from JJ this last week, 
Oh, hey. What did JJ have to say? JJ said, hello, guys. I love to hear y'all talk each week, which I find very difficult to believe. But he goes on. Also, no, he's a nice person. I'm sure he actually means that. Oh, no, I don't I don't mean that he's lying, just that that's incredibly surprising to me. I knew he listened. It's the enthusiasm. <laughs> Yeah. Also, I appreciate the shout-out a couple episodes ago. I heard you talking about your dredge deck. There's also a five-mana knight from Eldraine, Sir Conrad the Grim, that can incrementally ping your opponent each time a creature gets milled or Winger-prized amalgam. I assume gets milled. Uh, is that... No, when it comes back, I think he's referencing when your prize amalgam comes back. Because oh, okay. Sir Conrad triggers when things creatures you control leave the graveyard. Okay. Or card, creature cards you have control or something like that. He triggers whenever anything dies, whenever a creature goes to the graveyard from anywhere, a graveyard from anywhere, or whenever a creature leaves your graveyard. Yeah, yeah, he se- seems like he might be a cool addition. Oh man, did we talk about like deck building and strategy on here? <laughs> Sort of. This week was all story, so right. this is refreshing. I mean, we make an attempt. <laughs> Deck building strategy stuff that I really like. It says, be sure to have abrupt decay on turn two for your opponent's rest in peace that they may have. And that's probably good advice. That's, a, you know. You were playing decay and trophy, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I got six copies between the two. I think I was running four decays and two trophies, but, you know, it'd be up to whoever is putting their own 75 together, which one you want to have. But. And he also said, Narcomima might be able to be replaced by some other cards. And this is, yeah, I'm maybe m- that might be good advice. I'll, I'll definitely consider it. But personally, I think you might, JJ, you might be underestimating Narcomima a bit because it is pretty underwhelming at face value, but it's just free. In a deck like this, it's just a whole card permanent for free almost all did of the time. Did I tell time. you about playing Desecrated Tomb? Yes, I think you did. Uh, and I was like, I don't know that card. And you described it to me, but I was like, yeah, I'll, I'd, I'll have to look at it. And then I didn't. I haven't thought I'll much about it, it since then. Um, <laughs> something I mentioned earlier. I've been busy. That's why I didn't read the book I was supposed to read. But he also recommended um, possibly as replacements for Narcomoeba or just as consideration for the deck. Grapple with the Past is an instant. That's one in a green. And Haunted Dead can be recurred from the graveyard also for one in a black. Haunted Dead is good. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking Haunted Dead might actually be better than the uh, Blood Soak Champion. I played against somebody playing a blue-black dredge deck over the weekend in Pioneer. Yeah? What'd you, what'd you think? It was pretty good. It beat me every time, but I was not. I was playing my brain-in-a-jar control deck, so... Okay. Well, I remember I looked at Haunted Dead when I was putting the list together, and for some reason I left it out, but I think, I think that I left it out for other things that ended up cutting from the deck, and then I went back and looked for... Sorry, I like just stuck Blood Soak Champion in there. I think Haunted Dead might be better than Blood Soak Champion, because of the flying. Yeah. But he said, thanks for listening. Also, keep up the great work. But no, thank you for listening, JJ, and thanks thanks for writing to us. I really appreciate ideas from my deck. I'm going to have to do some more work on that. Like I was just telling Donovan, I, I haven't really done much with it since we talked about it last week. But I do actually think this is a cool deck, so I'll definitely consider some of the stuff. I think Haunted Dead is probably just should replace the Blood Soak Champion. And then Sir Conrad is definitely an interesting thought that I'll, I'll have to consider. Uh, I think the biggest question there is that he's significantly higher cost than anything else in my deck. I've got the Deathrite Shaman as mana dorks and the Seder Wayfinders to get more land. So, so I probably could play uh, more expensive spells. I think I had a pretty low land count, but it'd definitely be worth considering. And personally, I think I'm I'm a fan of the Narcomoeba, but I'll keep in mind that it's something that I could lose. It wouldn't be the end of the world, you know? So mm-hmm. what do you think, Donovan? I think that I don't have your list in front of me right now. And these <laughs> all seem like reasonable comments, but I'd have to be looking at the list again to be really sure about where I stood on them. Sure. Fair enough. Well, I'm ready to call it. You good with that, Donovan? 
Yeah, let's do the only uh, outer row. Cool. Right? That's where we're at? Yeah, that's where we're at. Thanks for getting on and doing it with me, Donovan. Uh, thanks, JJ, for writing to us, and thanks everyone else who's listening out there. We'll be back next week to talk about something we didn't discuss ahead of time. And in the meantime, Donovan... <laughs> <laughs> where where can people find out more of what you think of Eldrain or trans rights or whatever else you're going to be talking about on the internet? Anytime you want to hear me rant, you're welcome to come into Boardwalk Games. I'll probably be in there behind the counter and you can start up a conversation with me about most anything as long as we're not trying to get a tournament started at the time. You can also tweet at me at day underscore Donovan, probably. Probably my Twitter. <laughs> One can always hope. At day underscore Donovan, not at day underscore Donovan, probably. <laughs> Although at this point, maybe I should. And if you want to put yourself through listening to more of what I think about things, you can find me at Engine Within on Twitter. You can visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash Engine Within. And if we pick up some traction there, we'll do some content on YouTube and Twitch. Yeah, we can battle each other on Twitch or something. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And in the meantime, you should check out my other podcast. It's about video games called The List, and I host that with Daniel. And as always, you can visit enginewithin.com to find more of this show and all the other fine shows and products that we just listed in the Engine Within Network. Later days. All right. Awesome lasagna. Don't get me out. That's the rope. Daniel's been telling me that I need to sound less scripted, so I'm trying to speak more extemporaneously. I'm not good at that. I thought that it was intended to be sounding scripted. Yeah, I mean, kind of. Duncan? What? Spell my name. What? Where am I spelling Oh, it's the same one. It's, it's the, the mistake is in the template. That's the problem. Go find your template. But I sometimes when I tease, I take things too far. Hence me being single. No, see, Donovan, teasing is supposed to help you capture. Oh, that's not a good way to say that. <laughs> say what now? Woohoo!